Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It's time for another mind-blowing episode of Casting Views. This week, we've got something extra special for you. This week's episode is all about bizarre lawsuits, such as the unbelievable case of the stolen lawn gnomes. A quiet suburban neighborhood, a sea of well-kept lawns, and the residents living in perfect harmony until the great gnome heist of 2023. We've got an epic legal battle that will have you on the edge of your seat. In this corner, we have the amazing Mr. Justin, the proud owner of 57 garden gnomes, each one with its unique personality and charm. And in the other corner, the audacious Mr. Dan, who claims that the one Mr. Justin's gnomes, Norman, jumped the fence and trespassed onto his property. Hold on to your gnomes, folks, because this legal showdown will have you questioning everything you thought you knew about gnome rights and neighborly disputes. Court ruled that Norman was, in fact, a free-spirited gnome exercising his right to roam. Mr. Dan filed a countersuit claiming that Norman was moonlighting as a party gnome, stealing the spotlight at his backyard barbecues. So stay tuned to a brand new episode of Casting Views all about bizarre lawsuits with your legal representatives, me, Dan, and me, Justin Henson. Legal disclaimer for Casting Views, the gnome case is a piece of fiction purely for podcast advertising purposes and any similarity to a real case is purely coincidental. Casting Views is purely for entertainment podcasts. We do not offer legal advice and should you decide to follow, we are not responsible for any outcome. Dan and Justin are podcast hosts and they are not in fact legal representatives. No gnomes are harmed in the making of this podcast. Court is now in session. Oi. Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Casting Views, the podcast that takes a topic each week and as the name suggests, Cast Views. If I've got the opening pre-credit skit done right, you'll already know who's on this episode. Either way, I want to introduce my guest. It's Justin from the Movie Wire. Hi, Justin. Dan, I've missed you. How are you, my friend? All the better for seeing you. Now, Unfortunately, I, (laughs) no, no, I'll keep going. Now (laughs) I've um, switched podcast hosts recently, so it's reset my numbers. But as of now, I do believe you are the start of my highest listened to episode thus far, which was the um, unusual sports and contest. So yeah, every episode review feels like, feels like I worry about what I'm going to be editing out. Let's say that. <laughs> well, we leave the sports one. I think Stacy gets most of the credit for that one. I mean, she yeah. she was the star. Let's be honest. <laughs> I see. I see. She's patched up there in the background. So yeah. Yeah, she's hanging in there. She's a uh, had a, a long recovery. So how are you doing? Uh, everything's great. So I mean, busy, busy. Uh, have a film festival coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So everything's uh, just a little hectic right now, but. It's fun. So, yeah, so obviously your your show, The Movie Wire. Do you just want to give the elevator pitch for anyone who possibly hasn't heard of you? Yeah, I mean, the show is run around movies that just hit theaters, some that are in streaming, and I just sometimes give my brutal, honest review. Um, some might not be the most popular opinions, but I just don't really care. They're my opinions. 
but no, we have some fun with it. And I try to uh, review just about any new release, especially that comes out in theaters each and every week, about three to four movies. And honestly, you do wear your emotions on your sleeve, don't you? So sometimes, <laughs> yeah, your, your reviews have me creasing up. Yeah, make sure if you're not already, subscribe, like and share Justin on, on the movie wire. Tell you what, before we do get into the episode, let's hear from the time this goes out. He'll have been back for a, a little bit of time already, but I'm really pleased to have this promo back in rotation. So we'll hear from Matt and Adam over at The Came With The Boys. Welcome back, Judge Jordan. You know who it is. Whoa, whoa, it's whoa, Matt. This isn't an episode. This is our promo. Well, what's the promo? Just to tell everybody about our podcast, Came With The Boys. Oh, where you and I get together and talk about craft beer and combat sports and horror movies and whatever else is on our mind? Yeah, from Buckle to Bell, we cover the best combat news in the biz. Oh, yeah, we do do that, don't we? Yeah, every week. Yeah, and you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and on YouTube. We're at GameWTV on all social media. So catch us out there and have a beer with us. Cheers. And we are back. So, like I said, I couldn't think of a better way to kick off the new season then firstly having you on as a guest and I thought this was the one I remember messaging you at the time so I woke up in the middle of the night with this idea in my mind and I remember messaging you at the time and said this is perfect for you so we are doing bizarre or funny lawsuits so I think you were quite attracted to the idea as well, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, when you messaged me, I think I was about seven drinks in. So no matter what topic you would have brought to the table, I probably would have said yes. But in the morning, rereading our text, I was excited about this topic. I think this one we can have a lot of fun with. And it's good because you're only about nine drinks in now, right? At a tradition, Dan, I, I don't open my first drink until we say hello. Oh, dear. Well, we said hello a few hours ago, so... <laughs> Bizarre lawsuits, I think we've kind of all read them. We've all heard stories from someone or, or we've seen it in papers. Um, often, I think you do have to take them with a pinch of salt. So it's quite um, quite disappointed. I did, in my research, find a hilarious sounding one, but then I did find out it was apparently a fake. So all the ones I've got, I do know, are true, which is just as shocking ultimately because some of them are so bizarre. Question though, over here especially, we always think of it, or it's always said that America, obviously very litigious, and a lot of the, well, I think the majority of mine probably are all from the States. So is it a similar sort of perspective over there that it's quite a, a unique thing to yourself? Yeah, I mean, everybody sues everybody. And there was a, a decade where it just seems, I want to say it was the 90s, early 2000s, where this was like the norm where any frivolous case that you can go in front of a judge with happened. There's some merit to some of them, if you actually deep dive that I saw while researching in a lot of these topics. But at the same time, some of them are just playing so stupid. Um, and it's just ridiculous that this gets up in front of a judge. Um, but yeah, I think it's a lot of those egotistical, the ones that feel they're always in the right. We have those people that just feel the need to have the principle or their view of the principle proven. And it, in most cases, this isn't even about money. This is just about being right. And I want to say that you and I haven't actually conferred on, on what we've got at the moment. So we're going to hear this all fresh. But as you said, on the ones I found, probably at the core of it, there's a point. But ultimately, I'm still amazed that I don't even know how some of these get as far as getting to the point where even they're dropped. I mean, let alone then considered. But 
let's go straight into it. Guess first, hit me with your first lawsuit. Well, don't actually hit me with a lawsuit, but hit me with your first example. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this one, I, I couldn't resist, Dan. I absolutely think this one's going to be a good topic. So the first one I came up with is Apple blamed for man's pornography addiction. I'm laughing. Only reason I've not seen that one. I didn't see that one at all on the web. I went down a rabbit hole, Dan. A really dark rabbit hole. I've said on the last, I think it was our last episode, I really do worry about your browsing histories. (laughs) (laughs) But get this. Okay. Chris uh, Sevier from Tennessee sued Apple for selling him a MacBook that didn't come with a filter for pornography. So Chris claimed Apple sold him the product without including a warning of the damage that pornography could cause. He stated that Apple's product was not adequately equipped with safety features that would otherwise block unwarranted intrusions of pornographic content. So the whole thing started, he was trying to log on to Facebook, but instead of spelling out face, he added a U-C-K. And (laughs) this put Chris down, again, the rabbit hole of pornography where he couldn't help his male urges and he became addicted. And Chris is a lawyer, by the way. Shocker. So (laughs) this is where it could almost be a bigger debate because here's what the lawsuit included. Not necessarily a dollar amount, but he requested that Apple sell its products with an automatic filter to block porn. That bastard. What in the fun for the rest of us? (laughs) Right? Now, that could be a little bit debatable, and some can see both sides of the story. Um, But here's the kicker. He proposes, if you want it unlocked, that buyers need to write Apple and sign a form showing that they recognize the dangers of pornography. Again, that bastard. And then (laughs) Apple would unlock it. So this is where I have a problem with that because I don't know if I can get myself to write a letter to a tech company asking them permission to watch porn. So it feels like they'll have a personal file on me uh, somewhere in Apple saying, all right, here's our porn, our pornography customers right here. I mean, that what happens under my blanket should stay between me. I don't need a letter of Apple consenting to watching pornography. Was it like a multiple choice thing? Like what type of genres do you want? <laughs> I mean, that would actually, end up let's being, not go there. <laughs> well, that would end up being like going to the doctors of like, how many drinks do you consume in a week? me i always put like two but they don't ask if you keep refilling the glass so i so yeah there's multiple things that could open up to but obviously this case was dismissed because it's just plain ridiculous but dan let me ask you this how many times have you misspelled facebook and inserted a uck this is what i'm curious about do you know what? This was the thing I was thinking about that is like, yeah, I've had a few iPhones in the past and every time I've opened them, porn doesn't just appear straight away. You know, when, when you're doing your initial phone setup, yeah, you know. So I think he's reaching a bit, for want of a better term, to say that, yeah, they are the cause of his addiction. And sorry, I should have said the answer is I've never done that. Sorry. That's what I should have said. Lies. Lies. <laughs> But it doesn't help that the letters of the keyboard of CK are on the opposite directions of the other letters to spell out face. So this guy, I think he got caught. 
and he's just trying to blame the tech company. This is one of those that he got caught doing something and he just needs somebody else to take the blame. And this is one of those cases where we look at he needs to be the one right. There is no dollar amount to it because he knows he's a lawyer. He's a he should be a smart guy, even though it's a dumb lawsuit. Uh, but this is him covering his tracks, in my uh, wholehearted opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking about what you're saying about having to write for permission. Um, because they were talking about something over here about blocking everything. And then you'd have to enter a credit card number in, not necessarily to pay for it, but just to prove, you know, that you're of age to watch it. But who can see the pitfalls of giving pornographic sites your credit card number just for the hell of it yeah let's let's see what could possibly go wrong there well i give my credit card number to anybody online that asked me <laughs> yeah so you said it was dismissed yeah it was dismissed um and i i almost wanted i i was looking for a follow-up to this because when you bring up a case like this as a lawyer that has to be damaging especially when you have a a lawyer that has an addiction to pornography, and then you end up suing a tech company because of your addiction. This isn't the tobacco company. This is a cell phone. I mean, good Lord. But unfortunately, I didn't see any follow-up, which is unfortunate because I think this should be a movie, by the way. Most of these cases that we are that I found would be an amazing movie. Actually, we, we should do that for some of these because I don't know if you heard. I think... Actually, you... I was going to say you pop up, but we'll, we won't say that. You you ah. you crop up on a number of uh, episodes of mine, especially I don't know if you heard the one with K and J around bizarre jobs. Yeah, maybe we should see which one of these would be good review fodder for your show. So, well, at the moment, the good news of yours is then that people can accidentally stumble onto a porn on Apple phones because of this case being dropped. So, yeah. If that's your thing, you're still safe. This just shows that the court system works in America. <laughs> okay, I have got one from 2017. I'll say the results. So the lawsuit was dropped. However, the actual case was a man suing his date for being on her phone. This was a, a man in Texas filed a lawsuit against a woman for the cost of a movie ticket after she texted during their cinema date. Brandon Vesmar, 37, said the woman walked out of the screening of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 when he complained about her persistent phone use. Mr. Vesmar filed a petition in the state capital of Austin last week seeking $17.31. So for those of us on my side of the pond, that's £13.30. Arguing his date's behaviour was, quote, a threat to civilised society. He claimed her behavior was breaking theater rules and affected his movie-watching experience. Crystal Cruz, which, firstly, what a name. Brilliant name, that. Initially refused to reimburse him because he took me out on a date. However, she relented after US TV program Inside Edition reunited the pair at the same cinema. The date just didn't work out, she told him, adding, just leave this alone. Anyway, ultimately, what she was saying that, she began texting about 15 minutes after the movie began during their first date. It was a first date from hell, he told the newspaper. He said he asked her to stop, and when she refused, Mr. Vesmar suggested she go outside to text. The woman left and did not return. He texted her the next day to ask for the price of the ticket, but she refused the initial request. Ultimately, he dropped the lawsuit after she handed over the money, which he counted in front of her. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's always like the icing on the cake for this. 
to her defense, she said she only texted two or three two or three times with a friend who was having a fight with her boyfriend. I had my phone phone low and I wasn't bothering anyone. According to the lawsuit, the texting was a direct violation of the cinema's policy and she adversely affected this and other patrons' viewing experience. Whilst damages sought are modest, the principle is important as defendants' behaviour is a threat to civilised society. So that's a kind of movie-based one. There's a few points in there that really stand out to me. But yeah, what did what did you think of this one? So I'm... I'm on both sides here. Like my biggest pet peeve, because usually when I go to a movie, I'm always in the back because sometimes I take notes and I don't disturb. But being in the back, you see everything. Mm. And my two biggest pet peeves is seeing that damn light in the auditorium, like a beacon, no matter how low you have that phone, we can see it. And the second piece of it are the people that tend to whisper super loud thinking that they're whispering, but they're actually just (laughs) talking loud. Um, But I can see his point of view because obviously it did disturb somebody because he's the one filing the lawsuit. He saw it and he's the one paying to actually view the movie, whether it's a date or not. The fact that he dropped it and she paid up, which good on her, just get it done with whatever. But you can tell this is one of those instances where he just wanted to be right and prove a point just for the mere fact of counting the money in front of her. So this wasn't (laughs) about it. Um, In a way, I give kudos to this guy for uh, standing up because it is one of the most obnoxious things when you go to a movie. And we see it more and more ever since the pandemic uh, ended of people just having those same rules of them sitting on the couch they bring to the movies. And it drives me nuts. So I'm more on the side of this guy. The way he handled it, eh, probably a waste of time, but it's the principle, Dan. Yeah, my first thought as well when I was looking at this is, what was your view of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? I mean, that was the first question I wanted to have for you. Well, that's the crowd you definitely don't want to do it with. Like, you'll get tar and feathered if you're sitting there on your phone in a Marvel movie. Out of any movie, that's the movie not to do it. So, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I thought it was fun. I I enjoyed Guardian of the Galaxy 2. But yeah, there was a mere stupidity to this. Joking aside, though, yeah, I agree with you. Now, I've said it on here a couple of times. When it comes to cinema going, I tend not to go any, or don't go that often anymore. And partly, a part of it is, is that every time I go, the experience is ruined. And it's either, as you said, it's either phone use, it's either talking, or it's the people that think that opening sweets really slowly is better than just ripping that paper open and prolonging that noise, or the people that the popcorn on the top of the bucket isn't good enough. No, they want that that, that piece of popcorn <laughs> right on the bottom of the bucket. So I would pay, I'd pay an extra $5 just to go to a screen where you couldn't have food, phones, or talking, you know? That, that, that's me. Well, it's, it's funny that you, you say that, because, and it's usually the people that are opening it. Usually, if you have to, you do it during a loud part of the movie, or when the movie's starting, These people wait to the quietest point of the movie to just really try and open that packaging. And they think they're being clever. It's the same as trying to whisper when you're whispering still loudly. You might as well just talk because it it defeats the point. And also, we're going off on a tangent here. I might have to do an episode on bad manners. Can you not eat for 90 minutes or 120 minutes? (laughs) Yeah, it's the same with the cell phone. Guess what? You're talking to your friend that just got dumped. 
She's still going to be dumped in an hour and a half. What's the difference? I think she will live for 90 minutes. I shouldn't say that. I don't know the whole story, but you know what? But still, there's nothing that can't wait 90 minutes. That's not life-threatening. Put your phones away. Yeah, but back on track. Yeah, I... Oh, you, I kind of see the point, but I mean, surely wouldn't it cost more than $17.31 to bring this case to trial? <laughs> and, Dan, and yeah, just, principle. Yeah, and I just love that pettiness of him counting it out. I mean, for me, it's like, just <laughs> just move on. You you, you know, it's, uh, it's $17. Just move on. I think this could be a good film. What, Adam Sandler as the lead. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, good God. <laughs> Netflix original. <laughs> so, him showing up in his shorts and his bathrobe. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But, but yeah, like I said, Crystal Crit, I, I just think that's great and deserves to be a film just for that name. Right, okay, over to you. What's, what's next? This one, this one I think we might have some good discussion on because I'm still on the fence uh, on the legal aspect and the moral aspect of it. But husband sues wife over ugly baby. Well, this is one, I have seen it, and I think this is the one where there's potentially some doubt about it, but I, I do love this one. So uh, this one still baffles me. The whole case is very simplistic. A court in northern China has, has sided with an angry ex-husband who sued his wife for having an ugly baby. Now, on the surface, when we read the headlines, we'd start to judge this guy, and he just comes across as like an a-hole of every child is beautiful. And I'm, I, me personally, I solely believe that. But here's the kicker on it. The only thing that made this case liable is the fact that she had a ton of plastic surgery before she had kids. So this is the only kicker in court that made it almost questionable. The court ordered her to pay $120,000 for his claims of marriage under false pretenses because she didn't vocalize that she had all this plastic surgery. And apparently this is a huge topic in China right now on when it comes to the topic of plastic surgery. Here's where I'm on two sides of the fence. On a legal aspect, I can see the property here being uh, liable and a little misleading, but the moral aspect of it, of this guy, is just absolutely horrible. This guy comes across as, like I said, an asshole because it shouldn't matter in marriage. It shouldn't matter. This is your kid. But this is where I'm kind of on the fence on the legal system on it because they don't go off of a person's morals at that point when it comes to um, a court decision. They go off of the actual process. They go off of the actual uh, what led up to it and does he have a claim against it? And in this case, they deemed he did. So I've seen this, and like I said, think there are doubts about it. However, I kind of get it in the sense of the principle here would be that he feels deceived mm-hmm. because yeah. she had the surgery. However, he's that's not who he married, and it's not like she's dece- it, she would have deceived him in terms of like a lie about Oh, like I'm a millionaire. Oh, now you remember me. I'm, right. I'm actually poor. You know, it's that's where to me you're on thin ice in that sense. And yeah, just you know, not necessarily just because you've got good-looking parent A and good-looking parent B, you're going to have great-looking children C. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, it's 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 an odd one, isn't it? It's it is an odd one. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to me, I don't know a lot about 
the laws of China or the civil uh, pieces of that. But to me, you're absolutely right is that's not who you married and looks on a legal aspect shouldn't matter when it comes to a, a union. Um, but in this case, it does. Um, but yeah, it's like I didn't marry my my wife is beautiful. But what makes that connection is the actual chemistry. And this guy has a pair on him to actually <laughs> take the wife to court to have her doubt her looks and not only that, but her personality and in more aspects and in the spectrum, this guy comes out to be more of a, a dick than uh, just calling a baby ugly. He's he's insulting the entire family at that point, And it almost puts a burden on the kid. Well, no point is he blaming himself for the kid being ugly either. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> like, that, that's the thing that got me. It's like, yeah, the ball's on you. It's got to be the mother's fault. You know? Yeah, that's 100% accurate. So, I mean, and that's kind of a, another piece of it too that I would have loved to see more on this case to see if that point was actually brought up as well. Yeah, I, I think this could definitely be into a film because you've got the, the proper evil villain of, of the piece. Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, like I said, it, it's an odd one because you, he feels deceived, but is he deceived? Like I said, because he's not, well, I was going to say it's not affecting him currently, but he is perceived to be, see, or he is seen to be affected because of the, the, the looks of the baby. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's got nothing to do with the here and now, what, what she looked like. I mean, we, we'll change anyway. I mean, people absolutely change their looks naturally anyway, don't they? Yeah. I mean, that's the type of guy that you see when your wife gets older, he just leaves her. And that's the kind yeah. of mindset I, I get from this guy is it's solely based on looks at this point. Um, and it's almost concerning for the kid as they grow up of having this one already in uh docket where we have it on the web of this guy. His name is out there uh, with this article. I mean, can you imagine the kid growing up and reading this article and yeah. having your dad <laughs> say, my dad sued my mom for call for me being ugly. It's horrible. Yeah. That's, you know, um, parents often keep like the newspaper of when, the, when you're the kids oh, born. Man. Yeah. That's probably one you really don't want. Why have we got no memories of when I was born? Oh, there were no newspapers that year. That year, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least you got one also that was kind of outside of the States as well. So that's, I tried. That's helped address it. Okay, I've got one here where just the the summary alone, I stood there or I sat there sort of aghast at it for about five minutes. But it's from 2012 and it's Kidnapper Sues Hostages for Escaping. So this is... Um, and, and let me say it outright, the, the lawsuit was dismissed, which obviously is the right thing. But a man who held a Kansas couple hostage in their home while fleeing from authorities was suing them, claiming they broke an oral contract. He says this was made when he promised them money in exchange for hiding him from police. Jesse Dimick of suburban Denver is serving an 11-year sentence after bursting into Jared and Lindsay Rowley's Topeka area home in September 2009. He was wanted for questioning in the beating to death of a Colorado man and a chase had begun in Geary County. 
the Topeka Capital Journal reported that Dimmick filed a breach of contract suit in Shawnee County District Court in response to a suit the Rowleys filed in September seeking $75,000 from him for intruding their home and causing emotional stress. Dimmick contends he told the couple he was being chased by someone, most likely police, who wanted to kill him. And this is it, this is a quote, I, the defendant, asked the Rowleys to hide me because I feared for my life. I offered the Rowleys an unspecified amount of money which they agreed upon, therefore forging a legally binding oral contract. I mean, just that alone is just amazing, right? Dimmick said in his handwritten court documents, uh, sorry, Dimmick had said in his handwritten court documents, he wants $235,000 in part to pay for the hospital bills that resulted from him being shot by police when they arrested him. Neighbours said the couple fed Dimmick snacks and watched movies with him until he fell asleep and they were then able to escape their home unharmed. Robert Keeshan, an attorney for the Rowleys, filed a motion denying there was a contract but said if there was it would not have been binding anyway. In order for parties to form a binding contract, there must be a meeting of the minds on all essential terms, including and most specifically an agreement on the price he wrote. So for me, it's, that's not even the point. Like I thought over here, well, I know it's like contract law, but you've got to, you can't be, what's, what's the word, under duress when you agree to something. So forget about the fact there was no specific amount. He's broken into their house, I think, with a knife and a gun. <laughs> well, this one's one of those stupid ones where it's just, come on. Well, because I was reading this one too, but I, I really wanted to know what kind of snacks they fed him. That's what I'm curious about. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what piqued my interest. But yeah, I mean, there's more to it than just having a verbal agreement when a guy, because I mean, he probably came in guns with a gun in his hand or they, he had to have some sort of weapon if I'm to make an assumption. And when somebody just, burst through your door and says, hide me, somebody's coming after me. What are you going to do? I mean, you have a split second decision and that would be almost a, a definition of duress is you don't have that opportunity for these folks to actually make a proper decision. And the fact they probably heard sirens in the background and they put two plus two, but this is one of those that I kind of went through and went down another rabbit hole with this one because there's multiple people that get convicted that try everything to keep out of jail, whether that's being in a courtroom, whether that's getting money. Um, there's more cases like this than there ever should be um, when it comes to uh, what criminals can sue for. But this one was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it before, and it might even have been over here as well, if I'm being honest, but it do hear a lot, and whether they're urban tales or whatever about intruders hurting themselves as they're breaking in and then suing the owners of the house for their injuries. I just think it's amazing that in this case, yeah, the, the victims were suing for intrusion and the intruder was suing breaking of contract. It's just, it's just mind blowing. It's again, go use that phrase, like the balls on the guy for trying to do that. Yeah. It's like that movie liar, liar, where uh, you have the secretary go into that speech where a burglar breaks through a window and then uh, injures his leg and then sues the homeowner and then uh, the burglar ends up winning. It all depends also that we haven't brought up is how good the lawyer is. Obviously, in this case, yeah. a court appointed one probably isn't going to be uh, in his benefit. But I mean, a lot of these cases that we've run into, we we do see some prize wins out of these. 
And that's just the definition of a really good lawyer to really polish up a big pile of crap. Yeah, this could absolutely be on the big screen. And I think you could go either two ways. It could be a spoof comedy or it could be a gritty law and order style. You know, the the first half being the tense breaking and the last half being a courtroom showdown. Uh, Ooh. (laughs) Ooh, I think with that description, I think you're uh, leading the pack on what should be a movie at this point. Because I think there's a lot of possibilities with this one, but I think uh, kind of an action comedy uh, or even borderline thriller might actually work with this one too. With the de-aging technology, maybe Robert De Niro kind of allocate fear intruder, maybe, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Actually, well, on this, I did, I thought something rang a bell. So if you'll allow me to add like an addition to this. So I did have one from 2002 on a similar vein where trespassers sue property owners and they did win. So this was a federal jury awarded two men a total of $24.2 million for getting severely burned by electrical wires when they were teenagers trespassing on railroad property in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Attorneys for Amtrak and Norfolk Southern Corporation claimed the two men aged 17 at the time of the accident were old enough to know what they were putting themselves in danger. The plaintiff's lawyer, while conceding his clients were trespassers, said the property owners were still responsible. And yeah, again, this kind of really angers me. I want to say it blows my mind, but stuff like this just angers me. Yeah, I read that article too. And we I've read a lot of cases on these dress, trespassers winning cases of being injured on the property. And a lot of these cases I've seen is... Either you have a really good lawyer or the fact that safety precautions from like Amtrak weren't followed to properly secure the wiring or whatever it may be. They have to prove negligence in this aspect. And there it had to be one of the two where the lawyer was really, really good to really polish this up or the fact that they were negligent on one aspect. But if we're looking at the outside of just somebody reading this article on just common sense, To me, I think the law gets a little too complicated. You were in a place you were not supposed to be. You're guilty. So if you're going to make that decision, then guess what? Let nature take its course. I mean, these kids, I hope they learn their lesson at that point. But if we're rewarding them money, absolutely not. 24.2 million. That's insane. So they were 17 at the time. It was, well, it was the same year, I think, wasn't it? So yeah, so uh, sort of 17, 18 years old, they've got that amount of money now. For me, yeah, look, if there was danger, if Amtrak had not followed some safety procedures, fair enough. If it was a member of their staff or their, uh, I don't know where this was. It says it was um, on railroad property. So if it was staff or any or contractor, then absolutely fair enough. So away. But the fact that their lawyers said they were trespassers, so surely can they not be sued for trespassing then? Because you've admitted they are. So I don't know if you would be able to sue if there was no damage. I mean, uh, trespassing could be a criminal offense, um, but I don't know if you can just sue for a one-time trespass. I know there's legalities to uh, breaking the law on that aspect, but if it was Amtrak, it was me. If I'm, if somebody's going to come at me with a ridiculous claim like that, I would just throw in the hat as a countersuit because you know what? They have to put in the time and work to go to court to make any repairs if there's any damage to the electrical. So, I mean, I think it should have been a counter suit in my opinion. Yep. Anyway, that's uh, that was one that angered me. So anyway, sorry, over to you. 
This one hits close to home for me, Dan. So in 1993, one of my favorite years, drinking beer does not make fantasies come true in this lawsuit. <laughs> in 1993, uh, uh, Richard Overton sued Anheuser-Busch for $10,000 for false advertising. He claimed the beer ad caused him emotional distress, mental injury, and financial loss. Overton said the company's ad showed beer's ability to enable scenic tropical settings and beautiful women and men engaged in unrestricted uh, relationships or partying when this was actually not the case. He eventually lost the suit because if I was the judge in this one, I would tell him that he wasn't drinking enough beer because in most cases in my 20s, you know what? If you drink enough beer and you know what? You will get there. You will see beautiful women, just not when you wake up. That's brilliant. So, and you said, was that dropped? Did you say, or it didn't even get? It was. It was completely dropped. So it, completely it went to dropped. court, and then it was dropped. I mean, that's like the. Well, it's not like it at all, actually. But I'm still going to say my thought now. I've started speaking. So the whole um, Pepsi wears my jet thing. Have you have you yes. seen that? Yes. So when you watch that, it's clearly you knew it was clearly a fantasy. Yeah. But the legality or or the the kid watching it thought no they they've not specified it's not so do you have to specify and and one thing I do love we don't have it over here because we don't we don't really have medicine advertised on the TV here other than general over the counter like cold remedies etc or painkillers every time I'm in the states I do love the medical adverts with all the caveats <laughs> read at the speed of sound at the end of it so. Are we now in a state where we do have to literally point out everything that's a joke? Well, yeah. And this is kind of in that decade that I spoke to earlier where we had a lot of these lawsuits of the public just calling out companies like this for a quick buck. Um, this guy, if I remember his age, he was in his 30s, if I remember correctly. Um, if you haven't learned by now that you can't get women by drinking a huge amount of beer, having a beer gut, and having these models just flock to you, then that's a whole other issue. But what really gets me is the financial loss of this. Is It would have had to be a really significant amount uh, to justify a financial loss, unless he's really paying women to really like him while holding a beer. So there's a lot to this one. Um, and I know in the 90s over here, we had a lot of those Budweiser commercials that did really sexify women. They did really put kind of unrealistic boundaries. But at the same time, even when I was a kid or a teenager and saw these commercials, I even knew that this wasn't possible. You're absolutely right. It's like the Pepsi helicopter thing. I mean, people, these are the people that do have common sense, but they are just looking for just just a quick buck with a uh, multi-million dollar companies. Yeah. And it's especially true. Like with the, specifically with the women's uh, like shampoo adverts, I'm sure mm. every time you use their products, there's not a jet of wind that blows your hair back, you know, wherever you are. Yeah. I'm in the bathroom and all of a sudden there's this, you know, this gust of wind that's blowing my hair back while I'm shaking my head left and right. Well, it's like, Oh, you brought up a good point there. It's like, I don't know if you have it over there, but back years ago, I think it was in the 90s, early uh, 2000s, where we had a shampoo brand called Herbal Essence. Oh, yes. And yeah. the, do you, did you have the commercials over there where you just had these women just moaning in the shower? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's the same thing. And it terrified me when you go to take a shower and you see that in your mom's bathroom. It's just like the whole picture. <laughs> I should have sued for that. Right, and I think I'm going to end the episode there. So thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, want that to be a movie. Yeah, I well, I was going to say, <laughs> up until that point, I thought it, it, it could be with, I think, Will Ferrell playing the... <laughs> the protagonist perfect every time you come on the show now we're gonna to have to do this i love this <laughs> well i want to stay on a similar vein then to you and have you did you come across red bull in a similar that didn't give you wings i did well tell you, what, you you go for it i don't want to take another one off you see you, you tell the story then so i mean this one's a pretty simplistic and it kind of follows the same branding lawsuits that a guy goes after Red Bull um, for not giving the performance that uh, they advertised. They didn't have scientific proof or backup that uh, Red Bull did improve performance or concentration, even though it's been scientifically proven that uh, ingredients like caffeine, sugar, when ingested at a point, can heighten uh, concentration and energy. But it's the aftermath of the crash that uh, brings you down. But this one, again, is one of those same kind of deal lawsuits that just, it lacks common sense. The crazy thing about this one is they did settle out of court. So I don't know if you yeah. saw that. So, yeah, so anyone who hasn't seen it, yeah, the Red Bull adverts were like cartoon, quite rudimentary looking cartoons, weren't they, intentionally. And yeah, one of the characters would drink Red Bull, they would grow wings and fly off. So, I mean... By that logic, these people then think, oh, no, Lord of the Rings is real. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they paid out basically third or agreed to pay out 13 million. So what it was, was the, there was somebody I think bought it on, what, what do they call it? Is it like a group settlement where they're doing it on behalf of everyone saying that it was misleading. So the Austrian company admitted no wrongdoing, but said it would give a 10 to $15 refund. Uh, sorry, no, a $10 refund or $15 worth of products to US customers who purchased Red Bull between the 1st of January 2002 and 3rd of October 2014. So 12 years, that's, that's a hell of a time. The total amount would be capped at $13 million. And what it was, I love this, they set up a website for you to ask for the refund interestingly there was no proof of purchase necessary but you had to do it by a certain time unsurprisingly the website crashed under large volumes of traffic but the website was energydrinksettlement.com which i love just <laughs> so basic isn't it but does what it says well that's the new thing too is do you do you have i don't know if you have that over there but we have those settlements that just go to websites now that you can go and file a claim um, and we we'll okay. usually get that posted quite a bit. And most of the time, I think I've gotten eight, an eight cent check at one point because they yeah, split yeah. that settlement. But I mean, yeah. it's that encouragement that people are just hoping and crossing their fingers for a payday. Yeah, we, we, we hear that a lot. There's like, um, well, I won't go into it, but yeah. Did you own a certain make of car between this year and this year? Go onto this website, fill in your details. Okay, yeah, I don't even want to talk about that being a film because that one annoys me too much. <laughs> I want to give you an option of two. Now, you've probably got these, and, and I'll go with the one you, are, you, you say so. One about Batman or one about Dexter, the TV show? Which one do you want to choose? Uh, I didn't go. I saw the Batman one, but I didn't get into it. But I, you go ahead with the Batman one. Okay, so this is 
Batman versus Batman about Batman, ultimately. So <laughs> to, to break it down, it was in 2008 and... The lawsuit was never filed. However, it was spoken about. So the article, I can't remember where I got it from, starts with holy litigation, which I love. So in a story worthy of Gotham City tabloids, the mayor of Batman, which is an actual town in southeast Turkey, said he was going to sue Warner Brothers and Christopher Nolan for using the name of the city without permission for the film. Uh, Specifically, this was for The Dark Knight. The city's mayor... Um, Hussein Kalkan wanted compensation from the movie's royalties, claiming the movie's success had negative psychological effects on the city's residents and hurt local businesses trying to register in other countries. Um, ultimately, the lawsuit was never actually filed. But I would put this down as surely this is almost like this is great publicity, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's no way they had hardship from this because even if I didn't hear about this article, if I heard the name, I would want to go there. I mean, if anything, that should have that should have improved their tourism. And I can almost bet that if it got to court, they would they wouldn't have anything to show a loss. They'd show a gain. Yeah, and surely you would you would play on this. I mean, if there was a town here called Batman, they'd be charging people to go into it, let into the town itself, let alone <laughs> sue them. So yeah, it's just it's just silly. I mean, it, I think Probably it was an attempt to get some publicity, hence why they dropped it or, or didn't even go as far as doing it. But somebody probably said to them what you said, look, we could probably get more people coming in. We could make more money by by appealing to the, the cinema fans rather than not. And also, why wait till The Dark Knight comes out? Batman's been a thing since before the Nolan trilogy, right? <laughs> well, that's like over here. We have a town called Christmas. And you know what? They they don't celebrate Halloween all year. They actually focus around the town name. And it's Christmas 365 days out of the year. You have shops that are open 365 days out of the year. They're shrouding Christmas. I would love to go to a town that focuses around Batman for 365 days out of the year. <laughs> That's like a dream for comic book guys. Yeah, get, I don't know, get Michael Keaton to do an ad for it. You know, like these tourism ads. Get Get Michael Keaton, I don't know. Ben Affleck, George Clooney, you know, he's he's struggling for work nowadays. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Town of Batman, Justin and I are available for all your advertising needs and promotional needs to, to hit us up. So I just hope they don't sue this now for, for us mentioning it. <laughs> no, I think we should do an on-the-road trip where we just show up as Batman or Batman and Robin. You can be Batman. I'll be Robin, Dan. I'll give you the pleasure of that. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> what else have you got? So uh, this one... I uh, found interesting is in 2014, Shane Prawler from the Houston fire department uh, filed a lawsuit uh, for discrimination of his fear, which is the fear of fire. He claimed his fear was a disability that he was discriminated against because of his disability. His case made it to the Texas Supreme court, which ruled there was no evidence that Prawler was discriminated against. Now, in fairness to the Houston Fire Department, they did give him a desk job, but he turned down the desk job. He didn't want a desk job. He wanted to be part of the fire suppression unit. So that means he hung out in the truck while everybody else fought fires and he didn't have to do the work. So you have a firefighter that seeks out a career, but he is terrified of fighting fires. So... 
was he afraid of fires when he got the job or was it something that happened on the job? Do we know that? We don't because the case doesn't go into a lot of detail. And that that very well might be is that he might have had a traumatic or something that built to the anxiety. But here's what really makes a question mark on top of that is when offered a desk job, he still wanted to be part of the fire suppression team, but he couldn't yeah. do anything on the fire suppression team. So he had a fear. It's like he's almost torn. Um, when it comes to what he wants to do. So this one, it finds, it finds me interesting because um, when we look at the disability piece of it, um, this is where I think it's almost a hot topic nowadays of what contributes to a disability. And that's, I think, being pumped full of in courts right now of what contributes to a disability. Um, but topics like this I found interesting, but I do give credit that at least they work with uh, officers or firefighters that have those traumatic events and try and work with a solution. Uh, so they're still employed and they keep their pension and all that. So, um, but this one again was dismissed out of court. It was dismissed. Yeah. I think the thing about that one is, you know, him not taking the desk job, which I get it. Maybe it feels like it's a, um, a weakness or something, but mm -hmm. is he then not taking the place of someone who would be participating? I don't know. I mean, the, the, the happy medium would be, take the desk job and see how it goes then, you know, right. about re, what's the word, re-acclimatizing yourself back to maybe the other role. But yeah, interesting one, because you, you see the headline and yeah, you can kind of make a, make a judgment on it. But yeah, it's once you start getting into the details of it, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I've got one here. Let me scroll down. Man sues himself for $5 million. 1995, so as you said, the 90s were a good year. Robert Lee Brock, an inmate at the Indian Creek Correctional Center in Chesapeake, has sued himself for getting drunk and violating his civil rights. And he wants the state, or he wanted the state, to pay him $5 million. Brock, who was serving 23 years for breaking and entering and grand larceny, filed a seven-page handwritten lawsuit in Norfolk's federal court. Quote, I partook of alcoholic beverages in 1993, July 1st. As a result, I caused myself to violate my religious beliefs, Brock wrote. This was done by my going out and getting arrested, which caused me to be in prison and receive a six-digit ID number. Now, I don't know what that last bit means. Oh, is that like a prisoner number, is it? Or Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Not that I know, Dan. I'm just... Yeah, I'm well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I've seen that mugshot on the wall in your background. For violating, <laughs> for violating my religious beliefs, I want to pay myself $5 million. But I asked the state to pay for it on my behalf since I can't work and I'm a ward of state. Uh, Brock wanted $3 million for his wife and children for the pain and suffering and college tuition. He, want, he wanted $2 million for support over the next 23 years in prison and when i get out i'd pay it back to the state by court order i am a failure as a husband a christian a cherokee and a prisoner brock wrote uh judge rebecca beach smith was unimpressed she dismissed the lawsuit as fr frivolous plaintiff has presented an innovative approach to civil rights litigation however his claim and especially the relief sought are totally ludicrous so yeah that's that's actually when i look at it i'm actually quite I think that's a fascinating one. Yeah. And kind of what I spoke to earlier, you see a lot of these uh, cases come in. And well, I will give him a little bit of credit, a very tiny bit of credit is that at least he asked for money for his family. Um, so I'll give him that. 
but the kicker is asking the state for the money and then uh, going on to say um, by court order, he'll pay the money back. He ain't paying back anything. Stop it. So yeah. <laughs> come on. Um, but this is where the law is kind of shadowy, I think, in my opinion, where we have a lot of these uh, convicted felons or prisoners that just throw darts at the wall, hoping to land a lawsuit because they get to spend time out of their cell. They get to have a shot at uh, scoring some money at some point, even though a very slim, this one obviously wasn't going to go anywhere, but I think this one was just a mere fact that he wanted to omit or to uh, deal with his guilt and have a chance to get out of his cell. Like I said, I do. There's a part of me that is quite impressed with this one because he is, doing it from a legal perspective it's about his civil rights and he's he's suing himself for damages i mean ultimately if you're suing yourself surely you have to have the money to pay yourself it i don't know how that would work but yeah bizarre but fascinating one that one for me yeah well the key word there dan is have the state pay for it so he's not out anything yeah Yeah. (laughs) so um i'll have i have one more i think and this one um I don't know what side of the spectrum I'm on on this one, but in 2018, man wants to legally change his age. (sighs) So a 69-year-old Dutchman wanted to legally change his age in order to avoid ageism. Emil Rattenband claimed he felt discriminated against because his real age was affecting his job prospects as well as his chances of success on Tinder, a popular dating app. That one, uh, I can respect. I'll respect to him. But so this case was uh, thrown out. But here's here's the kind of the summary from Rattenband, who gave an interview to a, a newspaper explaining his logic for the changing of his age, other than the Tinder aspect. So Rattenband goes on to say, when I'm 69, I am limited. If I'm 49, then I can buy a new house, drive a different car, uh, and I can take up more work. So this is the part where it just goes pure insanity because you're just, it's like watching an episode of The Office where you see uh, Steve Carell just go into the office and declare bankruptcy to everybody thinking he's said and done. Claiming to be a number doesn't change anything. I think he just, at this point, he goes on to say he just doesn't want to lie about his age anymore. He just wants to tell people legally that he's 49 years old, not 69. And, and then you go on to look 20 years older than what your claimed age is. So this one I found a little bit interesting. Um, And it's the mere fact, I think the Tinder thing made me chuckle a little bit. Just the fact that you can put age 49 on Tinder, but then you still have a picture of a 69-year-old. I wish it was as easy as saying you were 20 years younger, but my body wouldn't be able to to keep up with that lie. Yeah, yeah, when I'm 69, I'm going to act 69. I, I don't think I would have the energy to act 49. Yeah, we just want to keep hearing you say 69, basically. That's what I've, uh, that's what I'm keeping you. You know me so story. well. That's the whole point. <laughs> You've made this story up, haven't you? So, um, yeah, I, again, at the heart of that, there's quite an interesting thing there about younger age, being a younger age, opening more avenues for you. So there is an interesting. Uh, fact there but just saying it doesn't make it so like like you said it's um there's other other things at play but okay okay you said that was your last one that was and rat and band continues to be 69 was that 69 was that it was 69 
69. Okay, right. So, right, I had a few more, but I'm going to blitz through them because I'm looking at the time. There's a couple I want to just discuss a bit, but one I'll quickly mention. Someone was suing for the empty space in Junior Mints boxes. So this was in 2018. The case was dismissed, but yeah, two people from New York were saying that Tootsie Roll were defrauding them because 35 to 43% of boxes contain mostly wasted air known as slack fill. Ultimately, it says that is needed because of, anyway, you know, protecting and stuff like that. But the key thing here was, it says federal law allows some slack fill to protect the box's contents when contacts settled during shipping. Hundreds of lawsuits have been filed in recent years over slack fill with many in California and New York. So those are the two main things for that. The Dexter poster was an interesting one. Um, 2015, a woman blamed scary poster on falling. So she, there was a woman from New York said she fell down the stairs at Grand Central subway station, injuring her foot and ankle after seeing an oversized scary poster for the popular Showtime series Dexter. Now, we know the one. If you've seen the show, it's his face in the plastic wrap. I can um, see it. Yeah, she claimed Showtime intentionally and negligently created a hazard for pedestrians by placing a disturbing, provocative, shocking and fear-inducing image on the stairs and argued New York City Transit Authority, MTA and CBS were liable for negligence for allowing the ad to be placed in the location. It was dismissed or, or she lost. The judge sided with the defendants finding there's no evidence that Showtime or CBS owed a duty of care that they created a dangerous condition or that they had any obligation to maintain the subway stairwell. The transport authority also off the hook because there were no defect or dangerous condition on the stairs, but rather the fall was caused by her reaction to the Dexter advertisement. Just got a couple more actually. Um, have you heard the one about the man sues Michael Jordan for looking too much like him? I did, actually. I almost picked that one, too. <laughs> 2006. Um, and again, kind of like the Batman thing, it's like this article said, you'd be happy if you looked like a celebrity, right? But in 2006, an, a man named Alan Heckard filed a lawsuit against Michael Jordan and Knight, arguing that he's tired of people saying he looks like the NBA legend. He stated it was damaging and making his life more difficult. Heckard claimed that whether at church when playing ball at his park, people approached him and accused him of resembling Jordan. I play ball and constantly, and people constantly stop and look at me. I'm constantly being harassed, he argued. I should be able to enjoy my own life, but everywhere I go, people tell me I look exactly like him. He attempted to sue Jordan and Nike for $416 million. However, he did drop the lawsuit um, without reason. Now, again, maybe... He started making money because even in 2006, lookalikes were still a thing. So why don't you cash in on that? I'm pretty sure he did. And that's why he dropped it. He's like, I'm going to make more money doing this and going to court. Yeah, this feels like this should be a film. Um, and the last one, this is one I want to mention. This is brilliant. So woman sues Kraft Heinz company because she says Velveeta's microwavable mac and cheese cups are not ready in three and a half minutes. U.S. District Judge Beth Bloom in Miami dismissed Amanda Ramirez's proposed $5 million class action lawsuit from last November against Kraft Heinz Company in which she alleged it falsely advertised the time it takes to get the mac and cheese ready. Consumers are misled to expect the product will be ready for consumption in a shorter amount of time than it really takes to prepare, the lawsuit stated. Defendants sold more of the product and at higher prices than it would have in the absence of this misconduct, resulting in additional profits at the expense of customers. Ramirez claimed that the three and a half minutes on the packaging referred to cooking time only. 
and this is a bit of love. According to the directions on the back of the packaging, there are four steps in preparing the product, the suit reads. First, consumers must remove the lid and cheese sauce pouch. Next, they must add water to fill line in cup. Stir. Third, microwave uncovered on high three to uh, three and a half minutes. Do not drain. Finally, they should stir in the contents of cheese sauce pouch. Defendant then notes that cheese sauce will thicken upon standing. And I've just got the image of you having to stand up for the cheese to thicken, but I think they mean, yeah, the pot standing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that's amazing, don't you? I mean, $5 well, million. Dollars. That's insanity. I mean, that's a lifetime supply or two lifetime supply of mac and cheese. But the easiest solution here, cook it for two minutes, then prepare it, and I bet you you can still eat it. It's not going to be as a... The texture you want, but it's still consumable. So that one's stupid. Yeah. So I think it just proves though that people will sue for anything, right? I think you kind of ended it with the mac and cheese because that one, if we can start suing on a company on an extra 45 seconds of preparing mac and cheese, that is a new low. I mean, I give credit to some of these judges that have to just leer to this pure stupidity of some of these ridiculous, like bonkers cases. Or, or are we, are we the wrong ones? Are we, should we be looking at everything we do and saying, yeah, we can sue for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the sad thing is a lot of these lawsuits, they're not stopping as we see society start to tense up a lot more uh, companies that are uh, producing a lot more products. I mean, there's no end to some of these uh, frivolous uh, lawsuits, which is kind of frustrating to a point. But at the same time, they're kind of fun because we wouldn't be having a show if this wasn't a thing. I think we will end it there. So, Justin, thank you for coming on. And you know what? I feel really bad. I meant to say at the start, I just want to say thank you in person for the incredible artwork you do, you've been doing for me. So I've kind of commissioned you as my my thumbnail guy. And I've had a number of comments about it actually in the recent, in, in, for, for my recent episode, which at time of recording was the Game Logic one. So yeah, everyone, the majority of the artwork you see on my episodes are done by this man here. So Justin, I just want to say thank you because it's incredible. I appreciate that. It's a lot of fun to do it. I love to put your pictures in ridiculous situations, Dan. It makes my week. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, Kind of worried, though, that you've asked for a number of pictures of me, but you only ever seem to use the one. So I don't know what's going on with all these other photos, but we'll leave it there. Keep it coming, Dan. I did want to, before I got sidetracked, what I was going to say is you should be sued if you don't listen to the movie wire. So again, you just want to give people your socials and, and how they can get hold of you. Just a disclaimer, I will not sue anyone. Yeah, absolutely. You can listen to me. You can listen to the Movie Wire wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can check me out on my socials, Instagram, Twitter, or Letterbox at Movie Wire Show. For me, as I said, start of a new season, and I am looking for anyone. If you want to be a guest on the show, do get in touch with me. You can get hold of me at castingviewspod at gmail.com or drop me a message on Twitter or X, whatever it's called. What's the other one? Threads. And oh, I'm on Blue Sky now. So I do I do keep joking that every week, every episode, there's another one we have to promote. So yeah, if if you're interested, if you if you like what you've heard, um, you want to be on, yeah, drop me a, a message on any of those. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next week. If I want your opinion, 
I will give it to you. Come on, take what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get a spark and force feed it. Come on, we